0: Let's give Jesus a shout in this place. We love you. We love you, Jesus. You may be seated. Let's thank our musicians. Wonderful. What a wonderful morning we're having together in God's house this morning. And um, I'm sure you've understood a little of the responsibility, the great responsibility that's on each and every one of our lives in this room this morning but that responsibility is not it's it's a big responsibility it's huge but it's not there to weigh us down it's there to excite us and exhilarate us because we are on an adventure right to win this city this city, God thinks beyond this room, he thinks beyond our lives and he thinks this whole city of Newport and the regions around it have to be reached. And guess who he's looking at when he thinks about reaching this city? His eyes are on us. He's full of excitement. His passion, his is zeal is, is at an all-time high when it comes to our lives in religion. Releasing his power, the power of his spirit through us to reach a lost world, dying communities, people that are in darkness. He wants to use us. He really does. He really does. And you know, sometimes we, it's easy in life. I'm talking from experience. Whatever I say this morning, I'm talking about my personal experience. Please, if I'm passionate, please don't think I'm pointing at you. In my passion, I am speaking to my lethargic, apathetic spirit. I'm trying to charge myself with the zeal that God has for his people that don't yet know him. That's what I'm trying to do. So I'm not pointing at you. I just want to I just want to put that disclaimer out, okay? If I'm passionate. Now if the Holy Spirit encourages you and charges you at the same time that he's charging me, then we're going to do this together. But please in my passion I don't want at all at all to think that you know, I'm, you, you, I'm being heavy with you. I'm not. I have to talk about my own life and I have to take responsibility for the person that walks in these shoes that occupies this ground. That's who I have to take responsibility for. It really is. But God is excited. He's excited because he saved you. He's excited because the life of Christ is in you. Just like the Holy Spirit spoke through Denise, we are not what we think we are. We are what God has said we are. And that's the, that's the fullness of what he wants us to live in. But, but all the time, you know, we, we've wasted so much life, haven't we? Walking around with our head down, walking in a life that we think we have. Walking under the condemnation of who we think we are. But you know, the the wonderful news of the gospel is that we are not what we think we are. We are who God says we are. And the essence of that word is beautiful. And I believe it's going to land on our hearts in an increasing measure. I believe that that word over the, I tell you now, over the weeks and the months... And the years to come, even when it's long past and we have forgotten it. The wonderful thing about the prophetic word of God is that it doesn't matter how many years elapses, it does not return void to him that has spoken. it. And I'm telling you, that was the word of God right there for all of us. So I'm glad that that was seeded into the soil of my heart. And you too, God's going to bring it about. God's going to bring it about. The Holy Ghost is going to bring bring it about and it's going to have great fruit for the kingdom of God. It really is. Now, a week before last, we started looking at Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, I said to you over, over recent weeks, I've said to you that Paul had an amazing way of painting pictures And he could paint pictures as a result of the revelation that God would give him. And that's why he would write his letters and the apostles wrote their letters to the churches because the Holy Spirit would would breathe inside of them and, and revelation would come. And as a result of that revelation, they would enrich the church. That's why we have our Bible and the New Testament and the words of Scripture. Paul, an apostle, a man that knew God, a man that was was enwrapped in the Spirit of God. Heard the Word of God and he was enabled by the Spirit of God to paint pictures. And when you look at Ephesians, you, you see this incredible picture given by God to an apostle called Paul. In Ephesians chapter 1, he talks about, he describes this brilliant picture of God's wonderful work in our lives. In saving us, in redeeming us, in giving just everything he can to bring us back into union and relationship with him. Ephesians chapter 2, he begins to look back at where God found us. And it's a horrid picture. But God shows him, unlike any other the very horrors of where we were when God found us. He says we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And it's an awful picture, but it's a picture that we have to see. It's a picture that we, that, that, that we have to appreciate in order to understand the wonderful mercy and the riches of Christ Jesus in redeeming us with his love. If we don't see where we were when he found us, dead in our trespasses and sins, walking according to the power of the prince of this air that was working in the spirit of disobedience in us, we'll never understand the beauty and the freedom that's been given to us in Christ. So he paints this picture and he shows us the horrors. Of our sin, not to make us feel bad, not to make us feel guilty or awful, but for us to always appreciate, even on beyond this world, what God has done in Christ when he reached us when we were dead in our sins. In Ephesians 2, he tells us that we were actually, I mean, it was so bad. My life was so bad that that I was an object of God's wrath. I was being reserved for when I step out of this time into eternity to stand before God. And my life would be the very object of all of his wrath. That was my destiny as a person. And Paul, one of the only apostles, brings this to our attention. We were actually objects of wrath. But then he says this But God, but God, isn't it incredible? The good news of the gospel, the wonderful, the wonderful joy that he must have had in seeing this awful, horrific picture of being dead in our sins and then being reserved for God's wrath as objects of God's wrath. And then he says this, But God, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. I tell you, that's what God wants us to see. That's what God wants us to understand. He says this, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised, up, raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come, he might show, oh my God, the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And then we get to the wonderful verse that we've been looking at, that we looked at a few weeks ago. It's Ephesians 2, verse 10. It says this. Look how the the picture changes. And remember I said, Paul doesn't just paint pictures. He outlines a clear purpose for all of our lives. Our lives are not just an unfolding beautiful picture of God saving grace by His Spirit work working within us. Our lives have a beautiful purpose. Verse 10, here we go. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Just leave it up a little minute. Beautiful picture, Ephesians chapter 2. And then a powerful purpose. A powerful purpose for your life. You might say, well, I just thought that was reserved for people who go to Bible school. Well, Jesus didn't go to Bible school. Neither did John the Baptist. Neither did any any other of the apostles. And Philip, well, he was just doing a good work. And Stephen waiting on tables serving the widows and the orphans in Jerusalem. He was just doing a good work. And then suddenly empowered by the Spirit, he goes down to Samaria and causes a mass revival. One man changes a city. Workmanship of God Created in Christ Jesus. Do you think Philip knew about the good work that had been prepared beforehand for him to walk in when he went down to Samaria? No. But he was anointed by the Spirit and he walked in there and he was empowered by the Spirit. And I'm telling you now, miracles, signs and wonders started to attest the gospel that he spoke. When you speak the good news... The Holy Spirit will back that good news and signs will follow. Tony, where's Tony? Tony Davis was telling me just this week. Now this is in Wilkinson's. This isn't in a nice service like this. In Wilkinson's, doing his work, a lady came up to him. And, uh, Tony, why didn't you come and tell it? Come on. (laughs) Signs and wonders... Follow, follow the preaching of the word. Look at Tony but there now. <laughs> Come on, you little tinker. Ah, oh, bless him. Tony, go on. Now, tell them what happened. You know you know the story I'm talking about. Go on. Um, one of my managers came up to me a couple of months ago and he said, uh, there's, there's a particular lady struggling and uh, the church was able to help out with food hampers. And she came up to me a couple of weeks ago. She said, uh, are you Tony Davis? And I said, yeah. She said, I just want to thank you for the, you know, the food you've given us and you know, from the church and all that. And she said, um, right. so, th- so that was that. And then a couple of days later, I saw her. I said, hey, how are you doing, Denise? She said, I can't speak. She couldn't speak. I said, "Oh, do you mind if I pray for you? I said, listen. I said, Jesus is going to heal you. Right? So I just put my hand on her and I just said, in the name of Jesus, Wonderful. heal her. Bring back her voice. I, I just walked off. I said, see you later. I just walked off. i clocking out, going home. She saw me a couple of days later, she said, Tony, I just want to say, when you prayed for me, uh, immediately, I got healed. I could speak. So, thank thank to Jesus. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Wilkinsons. Listen, he'll do it. We've just got to be obedient. Haven't we? We've just got to be obedient. Did Tony know about that good work that had been prepared beforehand for him before it happened. No, he just walked into it, saw it, seized it, seized it, didn't ignore it, seized it, took hold of it and brought a wonderful testimony for the good news of the gospel because it works. It works. And all of us, around all of us, there's wonderful opportunities. There really is to reach out to reach out and, and be a blessing. Let me put this one out before you again. Do you know what? Do you want to do good work? Do you? Of course you do. It's in you, it's part of your DNA as a result of Christ. See, it's Christ in you that, that impels you and in, empowers you to do this good work. Guess what? Your house. I'm going there again. Your house could be a place of great work, great work. You could use it to help your neighbour. You could use it to have a connect group. Do you know, after I said, I'd love to see 30 connect groups in this church, two people, two people came forward and said, we'll start a connect group. Isn't that great? Fantastic wonderful only 28 to go now Lord I'll keep praying and hinting don't you hate those people who say you know they come up to you and say oh I'm I'm praying for 500 pounds I'm really believing God that somebody would give me 500 pounds you just hate those people don't you not hate them but you know what I mean well I'm kind of doing that with the connect groups I'm praying to the Lord To get 30 connect groups ready for the harvest to come in. As a sign of our faith, to him, here's 30 homes, Lord. We've already got 20, but we need another 30. Well, why 30? I don't know. I just pulled the number out of the air. But 30 seems good for the size of the city that we're in. 30. And we could all answer it today. But I'm just, I'm just, that's all I, I don't, you know, I'm not saying that for you to all rush forward and say... You can use my home, although it's not a bad idea. No pressure, no pressure. But let's believe that we'll have 50 connect groups. 50 connect leaders. You say, well, there's not enough people in here to fulfill my home. That's fine. Just come on the journey with us. Just be part of the leaders. Be be a part of the group of leaders that we can encourage you. You know, Annan and Colwyn? They will. They they'll tell you. They were Connect Group leaders. They're still Connect Group leaders. Ann and Colwyn Matthews, and uh, they were Connect Group leaders for years. And and sometimes they would only have two or three people, but they kept doing it. They kept doing it year after year after year. Didn't matter to them if they had one person in the house. They'd bless them and enrich them. That's what it's about. We're not we're not trying to get numbers. We just, you see, we have a responsibility to disciple one another. We have a responsibility. The love of God constrains us to reach out toward one another and, and, and care for one another and help one another and bring, in, bring each other, bring one another into our homes to have fellowship. This is good. Do you know, 35 years ago, I went to my first Connect Group? 35 years ago, I was 15 years of age and I met my Connect Group leader last month. His name, he lives in Merthyr Tidville, his, his name, his name is Stephen Doricott. Him and his wife, Sean. They, they brought me into their home. And I said, Steve, do you know what? I'll never forget. And Dave, am I telling the truth? Me and Dave were in the, connect, the same connect group in Merthyr Tidville. I said, Steve, I said, do you know what? Thank you for opening your home. And taking care of a 15-year-old kid who was broken, hurt, and didn't know what he was doing with his life. Thank you, Steve. 35 years on, Steve. Do you know what? I'm still keeping the faith. I'm still trying to do my best for Jesus. But I just want to honor you and thank you. Do you know what? That's Christianity. It really is. It really is. And it was a joy to thank Steve. Personally, it really was. Created, created in Christ for good works. You see, Ephesians chapter 2, Paul talks about God's work, but then he also reveals that we've got to work. We've got to work. Now, we can't work for the grace that we've received that only Jesus could enrich us with, but there are good works that we've got to engage with that have been prepared beforehand that are going to be within reach of our walk on a daily basis I believe that we can wake up every day with a great expectation what good work have you got for me today that's been prepared beforehand by you Father I believe that Jesus woke up every day with that expectation the Bible says that he only did what he saw his father doing he only said what he heard his father saying what is that he woke up every day anointed by the Spirit walking out into the street with a wonderful exciting expectation ready to, to behold what his father wanted to do through him and as a result of his obedience miracles happened you say well well I couldn't do that I'm not Jesus and I know I've thought the same the only trouble with that kind of thinking is this Jesus said greater works will you do in my name so there's a lot to be excited about. There's a lot to be expectant about, church. There really is. Prepared for good works. And we're going we're gonna to look at these good works that Jesus entered into. You see, part of our vision as a church is encapsulated in a wonderful word that we have. Three words we have that encapsulates our identity as a church, as a family that we never want to depart from. It's the word reach, it's the word renew, and it's the word release. And the word reach relates to our relationships with one another. We want to reach out to one another. We want our fellowship to be enriching and equipping and loving, but also we don't want it to end there, do we? We want it to reach beyond our borders into the world in which we live. We really do. And we are prepared for good works. Do you know, two weeks ago on a Sunday evening, I went for a ride on my bike. I go up the mountain and I tell you, I love it. On a Sunday night, I usually go on a Sunday night and I just reflect about the day and I reflect about what the Lord has done and what he said and, and I just consider the day. I need that time with him. And I speak to him. Well, I went on uh, two weeks Sunday ago and I, this. I, I tell you, I, we live in Pontypool and it is mountain bike heaven. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, I, we're amazed. We are amazed. I'm telling you now, I am living the dream <laughs> in a lot of senses, man. I am so living the dream. 15 minutes just up the hill from my house, I have got 10 different downhill routes that I can go. I can go in any direction. And you're talking, <laughs> you are talking. I can't even describe it to you. It is just the land of milk and honey for me. It really is. Oh man, God knew what he was doing when he was sending us to Pontypool. Oh, it's just, I mean, it is just wonderful. I can't even describe it. So anyway, I was on my way up this fire road. up through the mountains, and uh, on this particular route, they'd done a lot of harvesting of the forest, and there was a lot of heavy machinery around. And as I was as I was on my way to one of my favourite routes, that has just opened, there was a security man there in his four by four, and he had his window down. So I thought, oh, do you know what? I'll just have a chat, a chat about you know what's happening in the in the forest, and. You know, talk about the, you know, how they do what they do and just talk about him. And we were just talking. There was no ulterior motive. And then all of a sudden, I felt the Holy Spirit. He's like jumping inside me, jumping up and down. Are you going to tell him about Jesus? I mean, Tell him. Tell him. Come on, tell him. I could sense. You know when you sense his excitement? It's like a little kid jumping up. Tell him. Tell him about Jesus. Tell him. Tell him. Tell him. him. Serious. It, it was like that. It's like trying to get out of me. And I was talking. and and See, you can have a three-way conversation. You can do it as well. You've done it many times. You can be talking to a person, right? Talking to the Lord and talking to yourself at the same time. I'm telling you. You watch. You do it. You do it. So, you know, the Holy Spirit, come on. Come on, tell him. So then I'm talking to him, fully engaged with him. And I have a conversation with myself. Okay, I'll wait for the moment. I'll wait for the opportunity. And I'm going to... I'm going to tell him. So anyway, we talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. Opportunity didn't come. So anyway, off I went, rode my bike, carried on riding. But my heart was heavy. So I said, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Do you know what? The Holy Spirit didn't say anything. There was an uncomfortable silence. Tell you. An uncomfortable silence. Now I want you to learn this morning from my sin. Right? Because it's a sin. I want to help you. I want to help you. Because because sometimes I can help you by by showing you a good example. The other times I can really help you by showing a bad example. So I'm going to help you by showing you a bad example this morning. Because that's what the Holy Ghost wants me to do. I bet you wish you had my job. But some, you, hey, listen, the Bible says, confess your sins one to another that you might be healed. Yeah. Oh, my heart was heavy. You see, there was, a, there, was a, there was an awkward, uncomfortable silence. No response. The Holy Spirit can't sympathize with sin, you see. Sorry, he, and he's spoken to me since this event. You see, sorry isn't good enough, is it? When he's trying to reach somebody on their way to hell through you. Sorry isn't good enough. When he's trying to reach somebody who's on their way to hell through you. And that's why there was an awkward silence. Because he was trying to reach a man that was on his way to hell through me. And I didn't, I didn't give him the good news of the gospel. It's a bit like this. It's a bit like seeing somebody in a lake drowning and just watching them drown. And seeing, not even, not even going and running in to help them, having all of the life boy on the side and not throwing it to them and just watching them go under, their head bobbing, desperate for breath and then the fateful moment comes where you see them no more. The only other time when you see them is when they float to the surface because all life is gone. And then the parents coming grief-stricken, heartbroken because of the son that they love has died. And then me going up to them and saying, do you know what? I, I'm i really sorry. I'm really sorry. I, I, I watched your son. He was swimming for his life, bobbing up and down. I watched the last moments when, I watched those last moments when, when he took his last breath and he was bobbing up and down in the, and then, and then he died and then he, he's floating and I, I, I'm really sorry for that. Do you think my apology would console or comfort the parents? And if they said to me, well, why, you know, if you were here and if you watched it, why didn't you, why didn't you run on in? Well, you know, like, I didn't want to get wet. You know, you could, come, you could come out with some crazy excuses, right? I, I'm afraid of water. Yeah, but you've got the life boy on the side. Couldn't you have just at least thrown that in? Yeah, but I was just too engulfed with, with, with watching his plight, watching what, what, what he was going through, that, that I just didn't turn to see if there was any, op, any other options to rescue him. Do you know what? They wouldn't be comforted by the apology. They would have every right to be enraged. They would have every right to wonder what... I mean, they'd want nothing to do with me. And sometimes, listen, this isn't a guilt trip. I'm telling you that probably the greatest sin that we can commit is to hold such great news in our heart and not share it with somebody that's dying and on their way to hell. Now, I'm not saying to you this morning, run out of this building and grab somebody and shake them and say, do you know that Jesus loves you? I'm not saying that, although some of you may do that. But what I am saying is this. When God sets up an opportunity, you got to take it. Learn from my, not mistake, learn from my sin. Let's call it what it is. I'm happy to call it a sin. Not happy, but you know what I'm saying. I'm happy to acknowledge that it's sin. Because it is. It is. When God sets up a moment when he sets up a moment for, for you or for I to engage with a lost person and bring them the good news and we ignore it or we, we, we don't think, not necessarily ignore it but we just don't think that the opportunity and, and we pass it by, well, it just didn't, it, it, it just didn't seem right. There wasn't any opening in the conversation. Do you know, it's, it's just not good enough. It's just not good enough. So anyway, thank God the story doesn't end there. Last week I went out for a for a, a ride again, and I I, uh, I went down the same route, and I I hit the fire road, and again I wasn't even I, I wasn't even thinking that this guy would be there wasn't it wasn't in my mind, and then suddenly I saw his four by four as I went up the fire road. I thought, my God, Lord, I'm not going to miss it this time. I'm not even looking for an opportunity. I'm going in. Please, please, Holy Spirit, but I wanted to be wise. I said, please, Holy Spirit, give me, give me the opportunity. I'll take it. Please, Lord. I tell you, right, you just don't want to be disobedient to the Holy Ghost. He's so precious. He's so wonderful. You don't ever want to lose that sensitivity of heart that he's given you. To do his work. So anyway, I go up. Hey, Tony. And this is how the conversation started. Because we've got to be wise. Hey, Tony, don't they ever give you a holiday round here? Because he's from Neath. We're talking away. Talking about him. Not about me. Talking about him. And he's a bouncer. And he's, you know, he's got a number of jobs. Then I said, oh, Tony. Mate. Do you know, I should have said this to you last week. But I didn't. See, just tell it. Tell it as it is. Don't be afraid. I said, mate, I'm sorry. I should have said this to you last week, but I didn't. Have you ever heard about Jesus? Jesus. I mean, just go on in there. Do you know he loves you? Do you know, Tony, he wants to save you. And Tony, the wonderful news of the gospel is this. When we step out of this life into the next life, we're going to stand before God. And Tony, I don't want you to face the judgment of God. I want you to know the saving grace of Jesus. Tony, has has anybody ever told you about that? He said, well, funny thing. (laughs) He said, honestly, he's brilliant. Funny you should say that, he said. Funny you should say that. He said, I've always been a bit of a religious man. And he'd been into religions. I Man, I told him the gospel. I said, oh, what a joy for me. What a joy for me. Not just for Tony. For me as a person. Oh, good work prepared beforehand by God for me to step into. That's what I've been created for. That's what brings God glory. That's what you've been created for. Anyway. He prayed the prayer, received Jesus. Man, I was excited now. I said, Tony, I told him the story about all of these little Gideon Bibles that I'd I'd printed for the mountain bike club that have been given out. I said, Tony, I've got got a couple spare. Can I give you one? I'd love one, he said. I said, also, I said, we've got all of these people in the church that I go to and they've written their stories down in this stories book. I said, it's brilliant. I said, can I get you one of them? He said, I'd love it. I'll read it. I'll read it in the cab when I'm up here. I said, brilliant. I said, the great thing is now, Tony, I said, I can say to my wife on Monday night, I've got to come back up here and give you a Bible and another. And, but you know what? Faye's absolutely wonderful. She lets me ride my bike as much as I want. But you know what? I always ask God, Lord, use this bike. Use the the, the, the trails that I ride for your glory. It's what I love, but I don't ever want it to be a greater love than I have for you. I want you to use it. And, and, and I, last, on Monday, I took him a little Gideon's Bible and I opened the Gideon's Bible. And I, Do you know, because you've got to speak their language. Do you know what I said to him? I said, see this by you now, Tony. I said, when my head is shot. I said, do you know when your head's shot? He said, yeah. I said, I said when my head is shot, I usually go to that one on fear or depression. And I said, it, it says, turn to page, page 20. And I said, you get all the advice that you need. He said, I'll do that. I'll read that. And do you know what? I left it with him. And off I went. And I'm going to I gave him my number. I said if you need anything, if I can help you with anything, doesn't matter where you are, tell me. Or what you're in. I want you to phone me. Because I want to help you. And there it was on I went. A good work. A good work prepared beforehand for me. What a joy, what a thrill to be involved in that good work. Amen. I've got much more to say, but I'm gonna I'm gonna close it here. Glass the musicians to come. Come on, James. Yeah. He's brilliant, James is. You are. And you know it. A lot of work to do. A lot of people to reach. How are we going to do it? One at a time. One at a time. It's going to thrill you. It's going to excite you. And who knows the blessing that's going to be at the end of your obedience. I was listening recently to Reinhard Bonke preach oh what a great man of God what a great man of God and uh, he, was, he was in a church in Dubai do you know what one day I may just we may just play it just watch Reinhard preach this sermon my God I was so excited by it my goodness me we may, we may just pray it in a couple of weeks time anybody, would anybody like to watch it oh, I'm serious now Serious, I was jumping for joy, man. I was on fire in bed. It was like half one in the morning. I was like this. And um, he tells this story, right? And he he said, I've looked back into our lineage as a family. And he said, people look at me. And he said, I'm a world famous evangelist. And he is a very humble man, wonderful man full of fire of the Holy Ghost. He's, he's, I mean, he's personally led. Listen, millions to Jesus, millions to Jesus. And he said, very often people, people see all of that. They hear all about the wonderful things that, that I've done with others and the ministry that we have. But when I look back into my lineage, my family lineage, he said, we were not religious people. We were not churchgoers. He said, we lived in an area of Germany that was heavily wooded. And he said, none of us were churchgoers. We didn't have a religious background. And he said, I went back to my grandfather. And he said, he was a godless man. But he said, on one occasion, he said he became very, very sick. To the point that he could not, he was he was paralyzed in bed, he could not move, he couldn't move his his head, he couldn't move any part of his body without screams of pain. And it got to the point where it it was so terrific, the pain in his body, that the whole village knew in which he lived that he was sick and infirmed. Nobody could do anything. No hope, no church there, no gospel. And then one day, an American missionary, now this is a wild story, an American missionary got lost in the woods. Right? Serious. Isn't it amazing? The good works that God prepares beforehand for men and women of faith to walk in. An American missionary gets lost in these woods and walks into this arbitrary village in the middle of nowhere. And the first thing he says, he doesn't say, how do I get out of here? He doesn't say, I'm lost, can you help me? This is the first words that this American missionary says. Is there anybody sick in this village? My God. Talk about expectation. Talk about faith. Faith. Talk about living with a vision. Talk about living, not just with a picture of salvation, about being the workmanship of God, but engaged with the purpose and the commission in which you've been sent. Is anybody sick in this village, he says. All the villagers said, there's one man who's sick. And they referred to the granddad. He said, right, show me where he is. Up he went into the bedroom, and he said, sir... He said, you are going to get healed in Jesus' name. He lays his hand on him. The guy, Reinhard's grandfather, who had been infirmed for years, riddled with pain, the whole village knew about it, jumps up out of his bed, completely healed. And the grandfather then said, is there anything else? He says, yes. He preaches Jesus to him. He receives salvation. And then he gets the baptism of fire, the Holy Ghost. My God. You talk about works prepared beforehand for the people of God to walk in. Reinhard's father comes under the influence of the gospel. He becomes a pastor. And then Reinhard, a young man, comes into it. He gets a dream about Africa, even as a teenager. He sees where he's going. He sees where God is position. He sees what God is positioning him for. The good works that have been created before time, prepared be, pre- prepared for him to walk in. He sees it all. It's confirmed by another woman that, that, that comes to the church. And then he's off, commissioned into everything that God's called him to. But at, behind the back of a huge ministry, behind... Behind the back of a blood-washed Africa was a missionary that got lost in the woods that engaged with the purposes of God for his life, prayed for his grandfather. One man and changed a whole family and commissioned a young man to change a continent. I'm telling you now, Church of God... There are good works prepared for you beforehand by God for you to walk in. Open your eyes, ask the Holy Spirit to show you them because they're queuing up to meet you. And I'm telling you, I'm I'm telling you now, in the, in the future, it's not just going to be preaching from this platform. It's going to be you up on the platform telling of the testimonies, the signs and the wonders and the miracles that God has performed through your hands, in your homes, in your workplaces, in this city and beyond. Are you up for that? I'm telling you, listen, God only gives me this word because he wants to release it. I can't think this stuff up. I can't think this stuff up. I can't put this stuff together. It's the Holy Ghost that breathes his word and shows me the direction that he wants to to to, 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 to bring into being in this place. I can't do it. But he gives us the wisdom and, and the understanding as to where he wants us to go and what he wants us to recognize and what he wants us to open our eyes to when we're out in the world in which we live. Amen. Amen. Father I pray for every person under the sound of my voice Lord I thank you they are the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus that is who you have declared us to be and Lord your word says that as a result of us being the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus you have prepared good works beforehand that we might walk in them who knows who's going to be at the end of our obedience there could be another apostle Paul there could be be another Billy Graham, there could be another Reinhard Bonker, Lord, we may only look at one, but that one that you call call us to reach could reach untold multitudes in other lands, in other nations, so Lord, we humbly submit to your spirit, we humbly submit to your word, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would water that word. I pray that this word would not return to you void without accomplishing that for which you 've sent it in your people now, Lord, I pray. Lord, that your people, as they go out, Lord, great would be the work of their hands. Great would be the work of their lives. And Lord, we would see this great harvest and we would use our lives to reach it and bring it in, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Why don't you...